Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1938-1939 season. Tonight's episode features one of my old podcasts that I did for five years ago. And I just thought I'd come on uh, to talk just a minute about sound quality. Uh, earlier tonight we aired an episode from 1934, from 80 years ago. Uh, well, 1933, I guess, uh, this time of year from 80 years ago. And uh, the sound quality was horrendous. A lot of folks have done work on it to try and improve it, but it's just bad. Uh, this episode tonight, when we aired it five years ago, the sound quality, it was listenable for sure, certainly better than that 1933 episode in sound quality, but it had some real issues with um, the digitization of it. I believe, and the, and the quality it was recorded in. Uh, over time, we've been able to find upgrades to episodes, and uh, I don't know if people really realize this, because I haven't really talked about it, but when I air a classic episode, I always listen to part of the episode and compare it to what I have available now and my best quality, and 99% of the time, I end up slicing off my introduction and rehooking it on to a newer version of the show that I have in higher quality sound. So you get a chance to hear the episode better than you did when I presented it five years ago. To show you that difference in sound, I decided tonight's episode, uh, right after I'm done talking here, you'll hear my introduction from five years ago. And so I'll be talking about some shows and things that I haven't really put on uh, this year that I put on five years ago. And so whenever I have these classic podcasts, you'll have to excuse the fact that I'll, I'll refer to things that aren't happening on the podcast. But when I refer to things on the show itself, of course, they still are accurate, or as accurate <laughs> as, as I can be. Uh, anyway... So what I'm going to do tonight, you'll hear that my old introduction, and then after that, I'm going to play for you a few minutes of the episode as I presented it five years ago. Then it'll cut, and then it'll come on and it'll play from the beginning of the episode again, so you hear that first bit over again, but of course with the new higher quality sound that we have available now, so that you can really hear the difference that we are... Uh, presenting to you, I, I really strive to bring you the best-sounding Jack Benny episodes, well, the best-sounding episodes of all the shows I present that I possibly can. Uh, and you say, how do you get these high-quality episodes and things? Well, um, sometimes it's by uh, purchasing high-quality episodes from folks that are selling episodes and, and that are restoring them as much as they can. Uh, most of the time, it's especially in these Jack Benny sets, it's from uh, just trying to, uh, in the OTR community, people are always trying to upgrade the sound. Uh, there's been some wonderful folks, wonderful work done over at the Cobalt Club to upgrade the sound on, on many different shows, one of them being Jack's, uh, over at the OTRR group. There's... Uh, wonderful work being done all the time on trying to make better and better quality sound. And on a lot of the forums, there's lots of folks that are um, doing some work. So I just try and uh, 
grab the best-sounding episodes I can find from all those sources and bring them to you. Anyway, I hope you enjoy tonight's episode. It is the first episode of this season we're going to bring to you uh, with um, Jack doing his Christmas shopping. Uh, I believe I'll tell you in the next podcast that it's the second Christmas shopping episode in history, the first one being the uh, 1937 Christmas shopping episode uh, that I brought you earlier tonight. So, anyway, enjoy this second of the Christmas shopping episodes uh, with improved sound, of course. And we'll see you next time. Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. We have uh, the 30s Thursday episode of the Jack Benny Show, the episode from exactly 60 years ago. Uh, no, that's incorrect. The episode from exactly 70 years ago. Uh, actually, I believe to the day. So I love these 30s Thursdays because we get a chance to hear what was going on exactly 70 years ago. This is the second Christmas shopping episode, 1937 being the first one. And I believe by the end of the day today, <laughs> I'll have available in the last couple weeks, if you look back through the episodes I've got that you can download, I believe I have the first through fifth of the shopping episodes. The other episode I posted today was the 1941 shopping episode that happened uh, two weeks after Pearl Harbor's attack. And so I think that's a really important one, a good one to listen to, too. Um, I hope you enjoy this one. It's always interesting comparing these shopping episodes because they, some of the bits they keep the same, some of it they change. Different actors come in and out depending on the year. And so um, I just have a lot of fun with the shopping episodes. I hope you do, too. And uh, we will be back next week with another uh, 30s Thursday. I hope you've enjoyed all of the Christmas shows I've been putting on. Uh, last night I put up Bob Hope's, one of Bob Hope's Christmas shows, um, Amos and Andy's Christmas show, which from 1941, uh, almost um, the same sort of thing as I was saying about the Jack Benny show from 1941. They're definitely all referring to the war effort and to what an important um, historic time that they're in. It kind of reminds me of uh, after Pearl Harbor, not Pearl Harbor, after 9-11, some of the same feelings and patriotism and that sort of thing was cursing through our country as it's cursing through the veins of the country back in 1941, uh, 70 years, no, not quite 70 years ago, but anyway. Uh, Enjoy, and we will see you again, and keep listening to my Christmas podcast. I'll keep putting up lots of Christmas shows, um, getting lots of good responses from them and everything. So we'll see you later. The Jell-O Program, coming to you from Radio City, New York, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with Hooray for Hollywood.
hardly seems possible, but it's true. Only 12 more shopping days till Christmas. 12 crowded days that will go by like the wind with so little time for planning or preparing your daily menus. Well, here's a helpful hint. Stock up on Jell-O tomorrow, for with Jell-O on your pantry shelf, you can win that race with the old clock. Jell-O dissolves instantly, sets quickly, and offers you dozens of delicious desserts prepared in next to no time. It tastes just grand, served perfectly plain in any of those six delicious flavors. Or you can dress it up with different canned fruits for a touch of quick and easy variety. Just be sure to get genuine Jell-O when you buy, for Jell-O brings you that delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor. A rich, full-flavored goodness that simply can't be topped. So for ease, speed, and swell things to eat, ask your grocer for Jell-O. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who came to New York in the middle of winter without an overcoat and still hasn't bought one, Jack Benny. Hello again, this is Jack Benny, the holdout, talking. And Don, I wish you'd stop harping about an overcoat. I told you last week I don't need one. I know, Jack, but it's dangerous to walk the streets this kind of weather without a coat. After all, this is winter. Don, believe me, cold weather doesn't bother me. I'm just naturally rugged. (laughs) I was the first fellow in Waukegan to ever get a haircut in the middle of December. J-E-L-L-O! The Jell-O program, coming to you from Radio City, New York, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with Hooray for Hollywood. It hardly seems possible, but it's true. Only 12 more shopping days till Christmas. 12 crowded days that will go by like the wind with so little time for planning or preparing your daily menus. Well, here's a helpful hint. Stock up on Jell-O tomorrow, for with Jell-O on your pantry shelf, you can win that race with the old clock. Jell-O dissolves instantly, sets quickly, and offers you dozens of delicious desserts prepared in next to no time. It tastes just grand, served perfectly plain in any of those six delicious flavors. Or you can dress it up with different canned fruits for a touch of quick and easy variety. Just be sure to get genuine Jell-O when you buy. For Jell-O brings you that delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor. A rich, full-flavored goodness that simply can't be topped. So for ease, speed, and swell things to eat, ask your grocer for Jell-O.
played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who came to New York in the middle of winter without an overcoat and still hasn't bought one, Jack Benny. Hello again, this is Jack Benny, the holdout, talking. And Don, I wish you'd stop harping about an overcoat. I told you last week I don't need one. I know, Jack, but it's dangerous to walk the streets this kind of weather without a coat. After all, this is winter. Don, believe me, cold weather doesn't bother me. I'm just naturally rugged. <laughs> well, I was the first fellow in Waukegan to ever get a haircut in the middle of December. <laughs> I can take it. <laughs> Well, that may be so, Jack, but I still think that you're not dressed warm enough. Why, Don, it hasn't been so cold this week. As a matter of fact, it's been raining most of the time. Then why don't you buy a raincoat? Listen, Don, are you selling clothing or jello? <laughs> jello. Then stick to it, or I'll fatten up Graham McNamee for your job. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's drop it. Well, I think Don's right, Jack. You look silly walking down the street dressed the way you are. Oh, I do, huh? Yeah, why, for $60, you can get a beautiful overcoat with patch in the front row. You think Congress had just passed a law against borscht? <laughs> you know, Don, I can't understand why Phil had a... Oh, now they laugh. <laughs> The reason they're laughing now, borscht is the first word they understood. <laughs> you know, Don, I can't understand why Phil had to pick out an orchestra that works for Fred Allen. Now, wait a minute, Jack. Maybe they're worried about something. Maybe they're serious musicians. Serious? Last Wednesday night, all Allen said was, hello, Porty, and those guys went into hysterics. Well, maybe, maybe they jumped their cue. You nearly jumped yours. Yes. Right now. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Now, you know, I don't mind Alan telling him when to laugh and applaud. But when he throws lighted matches around to get them to stamp their feet, that's going too far. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Applecart. What upset you now? Oh, it's that smart Alec orchestra Phil had to ring in on me. I wish you'd just ignore him, Mary. You haven't been out with any of the boys in this band, have you? Only the brass section. Oh. I like fellas with derbies. Oh, good. Well, stay away from the woodwinds. But by the way, Mary, I thought you were going to meet me the other night for dinner and go to a show afterwards. Jack, I've told you a thousand times I'm not going out with you until you buy an overcoat. Oh, you're as bad as Don. I told you I don't need an overcoat. This blue suit keeps me plenty warm. It ought to. You got your gray one under it. <laughs> Oh, is that darn thing showing again? <laughs> anyway, you missed a wonderful treat. I saw that new Olson and Johnson review. Oh, if they got a show here, what's the name of it? It's called Hexapoppin'. <laughs> Hexapoppin'? Yeah. Not the night I saw it. Go away, Phil. Just say, Mary, you missed a grand evening's entertainment. Well, to tell you the truth, Jack, I went over to visit my folks in Plainfield that night. They're having trouble with the landlord again. Hey, that's been going on for years. Mary, your father's working. Why doesn't he pay the rent? Oh, he says everything belongs to the Indians anyway. Well, the least he could do is give the landlord a string of beads. The only thing I can't understand, Mary, is how your family keep from being thrown out. Thrown out? My folks move so often, Mama wears a gypsy costume. Oh. 
Well, I guess some people are just naturally restless. Yeah, we even had to change our dog's name from Fido to Rover. Hmm. Nice family. <laughs> Say, Jack. What? I just got a letter from Mama that'll positively kill you. Well, it's about time. What's the Noel Coward of Plainfield got to say? <laughs> Here it is. Oh, this is a riot. Well, never mind the buildup. Just read it. Okay. Huh? <laughs> My darling daughter, Mary. Uh, just a line to let you know how happy your visit made us. And to tell you that you left a pair of gloves here on the piano. That was careless. They fit me fine, but I will send them to you immediately. If that's the way you feel about it. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, it's lucky you left when you did. I think your sister Lulu has the bumps. As she was blowing up a balloon yesterday, and when she stopped, her cheeks wouldn't go down. Oh, that's too bad. Right now, she looks like a tuba player getting ready for a high note. Say, it's a good thing you got away from there. By the way, Mary, your grandfather is at it again. He may be old, but he certainly follows the latest style. I remember the old geezer. This morning, when he came into breakfast, he was wearing his beard up. <laughs> he was. Say, with his beard up over his face, he must have trouble eating. Mama's coming to that. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Uh, we had chicken soup for lunch today, and you should have seen your grandfather looking for a noodle in the haystack. <laughs> Old gal's cooking tonight. Any other bulletins? Uh, no other news, except your cousin Otto is in trouble with the police again. Now what? They caught him on a ladder the other night, and he wasn't eloping. <laughs> That's right. You can't take silverware to Niagara Falls, huh? That's all for now. Give my love to the gang and hope to see you before you leave. Your devoted mother, Gypsy Rose Livingston. <laughs> Wow. Uh, P.S. It's only two weeks to Christmas, so give my love to Jack, too. Well, that's very sweet of her. What a racketeer. Now, let's get on with the program. Oh, Kenny. Hey, where's Kenny? He's supposed to sing right now. I don't know. Oh, I remember. Kenny borrowed $10 from me and said he was going out to see the World's Fair. The World's Fair? That doesn't open until spring. He'll wait. Darn that kid. Well, if we can't have a song, I'll have to play a violin solo. A violin solo? Get back in your seats, man. That's what I say. Hand me a violin, Phil. Now, wait a minute, Jack. Can't we talk this over? I know what I'm doing, Phil. Let go of me. Hey, boys, do you know uh, At Long Last Love? No. How about My Reverie? No. no. Fine orcs. Hey, piano player. Yeah? Do you know when it's tulip time in Holland? I think it's in April, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, never mind. They'd probably ruin it for me anyway. Well, as long as we have to do without Kenny, play something, Phil. We've got to get going here. Hold it a minute. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? I'm awfully sorry you're not going to play a violin solo tonight. You are? Well, so am I. But who are we, the people? <laughs> get out of here. Be glad when the beaver season opens. I'd like to bag him. Please. Millionaire, but I'm not the type to care Cause I've got old pocket full of dreams It's my universe, even with an empty purse Cause I've got that pocket full of dreams Wouldn't trade the wealth on Wall Street For a road where nature trots and to calculate I'm worth my weight in the golden rods. Lucky, lucky me, I can live in luxury. Cause I've got that pocket full of dreams. <laughs> 
millionaire, but I'm not the type to care, cause I've got that pocket full of dreams. It's my universe, even with an empty purse, cause I've got old pocket full of dreams. Wouldn't trade that wealth on Wall Street for a road where nature drops. And to calculate, I'm worth my weight in the golden rock. Yeah, man. Lucky, lucky me, I'll go on in livery. Cause I've got old pockets full of dreams. Pocket Full of Dreams, played by the orchestra with a vocal refrain by Phil Martinelli. <laughs> and now... <laughs> now, I know why you didn't want me to play my violin, Phil. It was just so you could do a number yourself, you big ham. Well, what if I did? Don't be so jealous. I'm not jealous. If I couldn't sing better than that, I wouldn't even attempt it. <laughs> me jealous. Why should I be? I got more money in the bank than you have. Haven't I, Mary? You've got more money in your sock than he has in the bank. <laughs> Mary, if you're referring to that bulge above my shoe, I was getting out of the bathtub this morning and I sprained my ankle. Well, you've got Lincoln's picture on the bandage. <laughs> All right, Mary. Anyway, that's what happened. Bathtub? What were you doing in the bathtub? I was sailing a boat. Oh. <laughs> what was I doing in the bathtub? What do you think I was doing? Diving for pearls? <laughs> Huh? <laughs> or my laundry? That could happen. Now, wait a minute, I, Mary. I shouldn't even discuss it, but I don't do my own laundry. Well, someone should. <laughs> All right, just keep it up, fellas. Just keep it up. So, when I do my Christmas shopping, I'll remember every word that was said here. Now, hold on a minute, Jack. Have I ever said anything to hurt your feelings? No, you haven't, Don. Have I ever said anything that would cause you a moment's unhappiness? No, Don, you haven't. Here it comes for Have I ever said anything except that Jell-O is economical, easy to make, and comes in six delicious flavors? Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. No, Don, and I admire you for it. <laughs> to prove my faith in you, I'm going to let you handle the show from now on. Where are you going, Jack? Well, I've still got a lot of Christmas shopping to do, and I thought I'd finish it up today. You can handle things around here, can't you, Don? Oh, sure, Jack. Go right ahead. Can I go with you, Jack? Yeah, because if I leave you here, you're liable to say something about me. All right, I'll go with you and say it. Hey, there. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, Don. I'll see you. Go. I, we're going ahead. I'll see you later. Huh? <laughs> Wait a minute. I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. Oh, well, it's about time. We've been in town ten days, and the first I've heard from you. Where are you? I'm up here in Harlem enjoying a little southern hospitality. <laughs> oh, well, you know, Rochester, even though we're in New York, you still have work to do. I thought this was a pleasure trip. Pleasure trip? I've had to unpack my own bags, answer the phone, and do everything myself. You expect to get paid this week, don't you? Definitely. <laughs> I thought so. What have you been doing? Well, last Wednesday night, some friends of mine threw a big banquet in my honor. Oh, did you have a good time? I don't know. It ain't over yet. <laughs> it ain't over yet? Well, for heaven's sake, how long is this party going to last? Until somebody with a blue coat knocks on the door with an axe. 
Well, I don't mind you having a good time, Rochester, but in case things get dull there, I wish you'd drop around and press some pants for me. Okay, boss, I'll be there tomorrow. Fine. Oh, incidentally, uh, when I unpacked my bags the other day, I couldn't find my full-dress suit. You couldn't? Mama! I'm not asking for sympathy, Rochester. Where is my full-dress suit? You mean the one you look so good in? Stop flattering me. Rochester, where is my full-dress suit? Why don't you wear your tuxedo? Now, Rochester, for the last time, where is my full-dress suit? Well, I'll be doggone. I got it on. I thought so. Of all the brazen, unmitigated nerve, how dare you put on any of my wardrobe? How dare you? Are you disappointed in me, boss? Disappointed? Now, listen to me, Rochester. Yes, sir? I want you to be at my hotel at 8 o'clock sharp tomorrow morning. Shall I come formal? (laughs) Yes, bring the suit. Goodbye. So long, boss. Well, that's positively the last word in nerve. Play, Phil. I got to go out and do some shopping. Come on. shoving and pushing. Ooh, ooh! Madam, will you please watch your umbrella? <laughs> hmm. You better stick close to me, Mary, and don't get lost. And take your hand out of my pocket. It's not my hand. Then whose is it? Well, for goodness... Hey, buddy, what are you doing with your hand in my pocket? I don't know. I guess I'm an optimist. <laughs> Let's get away from here, Mary. Now, let's see. Here's my Christmas list. An electric razor for Don, a necktie for Kenny, a chorus girl for Phil, and a... What are you going to get for me, Jack? I'm not going to tell you, Mary. It's a surprise. It's something between a Rolls Royce and a compact. (laughs) 
I'll bet the last will be first. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Remember last Christmas I gave you that lovely bottle of perfume? Fine perfume. I put some on my handkerchief and had to bury it. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. Incidentally, I have to buy some. I wish you'd help me pick it out. Okay, here's the counter, Jack. Oh, yes. Uh, pardon me, miss. Uh, I'd like to get a bottle of perfume. Yes, sir. Now, here's something new this season that's very popular. Well, well, what an attractive bottle, isn't it, Mary? Yeah. Uh, what's the name of that, miss? It's called Springtime in the Bronx. <laughs> oh, yes, it's lovely that time of year with the bagels all in bloom. <laughs> but, miss, look, I'd like something a little more exotic. Uh, something, shall we say, uh, ooh-la-la? Wee-wee. Oui, oui. Well. Now, here's a perfume that's all the rage in Paris. It's called Toujours L'Amour Voulez-Vous. Well, well, Toujours L'Amour Voulez-Vous. Uh, what does that mean, Mary? Love, your magic smell is everywhere. <laughs> well, it sounds much better in French. Uh... Uh, how much is that, miss? Ten dollars an ounce or four thousand dollars a gallon. <laughs> well, I'm afraid that's a little steep. Uh, let's see. What else have you got? Now, here's something very nice. It sells for three dollars and a half a bottle. Say, that's quite a bargain. Who makes that? Hagen Haig. <laughs> Oh, I'm afraid that won't do either. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Gee, miss, I don't know what kind of perfume to buy. Why don't you just run some violets through a ringer and make it yourself? <laughs> well, of all the impertinence. Come on, Mary, I've got a good mind to report her. Well, it's not her fault, Jack. She's busy. Busy? Yes, when you spend that much time with a girl, you either have to buy something or marry her. Oh, well, come on, I gotta get some neckties for Kenny. And stick close to me, Mary, you'll get lost in this crowd. Hey, Jack, there's that fellow again. Where? Ouch! Buddy, will you please keep your hand out of my pocket? I'm sorry. Sorry? You're the clumsiest pickpocket I've ever met. Well, I'm young yet. <laughs> and stay away from me until you loin something. <laughs> now, let's see, uh, where's the, uh, where's the necktie counter? Uh, there's the floor walker, Jack. Ask him. Oh, yes. Uh, pardon me, mister. Good afternoon. What can I do for you, sir? I'm uh, looking for ties. Uh, where can I get a good dollar necktie? I'm afraid you better ask somebody else. Why? I work here. I'm prejudiced. <laughs> Nevertheless, I'd... I'd like to find the necktie department. Where is it? Neckties. Now, let's see. That wouldn't come under crockery, would it? No, it comes under chin, if I remember. <laughs> Now, look, mister, I haven't got all day. Where can I buy a tie? Well, you don't have to get huffy about it. I'm not huffy, you big dope. Oh, go back to Hollywood and squeeze an orange. <laughs> now, look here, hey, you. Hey, Jack, there's a necktie department right in back of you. Oh, that's right. Fine floor walker. He's a disgrace to his carnation. <laughs> Fine floor walker is a disgrace to his carnation. <laughs> oh, here we are. Well, well, there's quite a selection here. Yes, sir, what can I do for you? I'd like to buy some ties. Foreign hand, bow, or railroad? 
Look, I want a necktie, a regular necktie. I'm glad to hear that. The one you're wearing is awful. Well, it is a little wrinkled. Now, here's a very snappy tie, mister, with an American flag on it. Oh, yes. Take it, Jack. It'll go good with your white shirt with the stars on it. Yeah, that's right. It is unusual. Uh, how much is this tie with the flag on it? $62.50. $62.50? Yes, Betsy Ross made it. <laughs> For heaven's sake, what is this, a store or a museum? I don't know. I always come in the back door. <laughs> Well, that settles it. I'm getting out of this joint. Wait a minute, Jack. As long as you're here, why don't you buy an overcoat? I told you before, I don't need one. You do, too. I do not, and take your hand out of my pocket. And come in quicker. <laughs> Good heavens, you're getting monotonous. <laughs> All right. Come on, Mary. I'll buy that overcoat just so you'll keep still. Where's that silly floor walker again? There he is, right over there. Oh, yeah. Say, mister, I hate to go through this again, but can you tell me where the overcoat department is? I'm not speaking to you. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make up with you either. Come on, Mary. I'll find the overcoats myself. You better carry some of these bundles, honey. I'm loaded now. Rochester. Oh, hello, Mr. Billy. You shopping too? Yeah, I thought you were up at Harlem at a banquet. I was, but I ran into some money with a pair of dice, so my girlfriend brought me down here to liquidate. <laughs> oh, I see. Boss, I'd like you to meet Miss, uh, Miss Lucille. Lu uh, what is your last name, honey? Garbo. <laughs> Oh, Lucille Garbo, how do you do? Glad to know you, Mr. Benny. Rochester's been telling me about that big oil well you two own. Oil well? What oil well? Uh, come on, honey, let's go. Rochester! Uh, see you later, boss. Oil well? Wait till I see him tomorrow. Oh, Jack, I found the overcoat department. I've got one all picked out for you. Look it, I'll pick out my own. Where is it? Come on, I'll show you. Now, Mary, while I'm buying my coat, you can run along. You don't have to stay. I wouldn't miss this for a million dollars. All right, but I don't want any remarks. Here's the salesman. Isn't he cute? Oh, so that's it, huh? How do you do, sir? Uh, how do you do? Uh, I'm Jack Benny, and I'd like to buy an overcoat. I see. Oh, Joe. Yeah? Come over here. I'm going to need help on this. Okay, Mr. Peters. <laughs> hmm. Now, what have you got in mind, Mr. Benny? Uh, well, I'd like to get... Now, here's a very popular model. All wool, double-breasted, and wears like I am. Well, it's nice, yeah, but I'd just rather... try it on. I'm sure you'll like it. Uh, look, I, I don't care for the color. Try it on anyway. Hold him, Joe. I got him. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There you are, Mr. Benny. A perfect fit. A perfect fit? Absolutely. Now, do you want the sleeves lengthened, or are you going to wear gloves? <laughs> Now, look, mister, I don't like this coat at all. In the first place, it's too long. Look, when I move, it drags on the floor. Not if you walk on your toes. Well, that's about the silliest thing I've ever heard. It looks marvelous on you. Marvelous? I've been in shower curtains that fit better than this. Now, look here. I don't like this model at all. Take it off. All right. I don't like the weight, and I don't like the color. But it's only $29.50. Put it back on, fellas. Now, wait a minute, Mary. I don't want this coat at any price. Oh, you don't, huh? Well, try it on again. This coat will grow on you. 
Whoa, I could raise pigeons in it now. <laughs> now, look, Mr. Brown, I don't now, want... Now, just slip it on again. Look, but I don't like... I this. got him, Mr. Peters. Hey, what's the matter with you guys anyway? There you are now. How do you like it? I don't like it. Look at this coat. There aren't even buttons on it. Of course not. This is the new zipper model. Look. <laughs> there you are. Mary, let's get out of here. These fellas are maniacs. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You look like a guy peeking out of a sack of potatoes. Well, I've just had about enough of this. I'm going home. Unzipper me. Okay, here we go again. <laughs> Come on, Mary, let's go. All right, Jack. Oh, no, you don't. Grab him, Joe. I got him. Out of my way, you. Out of my way. All right, Joe, let him have it. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, you missed me. What a sore loser. Oh, Jack, he shot me right through my new hat. Well, no wonder. It looks like a wild duck. Good <laughs> heavens, what a night. Do you ever get the feeling that you simply can't think of anything different for, to have for a dessert? Well, cheer up. There's always something new, and here's one good suggestion for tomorrow. <laughs> it's the delicious new Jell-O butterscotch pudding prepared with ten creamy marshmallows cut in quarters and folded inside. Good? Ah, you bet it's good. Satin smooth, rich, and mellow with a golden brown color as tempting as taffy, and a taste that's luscious with true butterscotch flavor. Then try the new Jell-O vanilla pudding. It's creamy and delicate. Fresh tasting and smooth, for it's made with real vanilla. You'll find that it's an all-family favorite and it's wholesome and nourishing. Then there's Jell-O chocolate pudding, just like old-fashioned homemade pudding, rich and chocolatey, made a quicker, easier, better way. For all three Jell-O puddings are delightfully simple to prepare. The quick, easy directions are in every package, together with some interesting recipe variations. Buy three packages at a time. Ask your grocer tomorrow for Jell-O butterscotch... Vanilla and chocolate pudding. This is the last number of the 12th program of the new Jell-O series. And we'll be with you again next Sunday at the same time, broadcasting from Hollywood, <laughs> California. And, uh, folks, I want you all to know that I was only kidding before. I really have an overcoat, haven't I, Mary? Yes, but the elbows are out. <laughs> of course, that's why I didn't wear it. Good night, folks. J-E-L-L-O Tonight's music included F.D.R. Jones from Sing Out the News. This is the National Broadcasting Company. K-F-I... Good health to all from Rexall. It's Sunday, time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall Family Druggist. Good evening. This is your Rexall Family Druggist, taking a little time from behind the prescription counter this Sunday evening to speak for all 10,000 of us. The 10,000 independent druggists who have added the word Rexall to our own store names. You can always tell us by the orange and blue Rexall sign in our windows. The sign means that we carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. They range all the way from aspirin to penicillin. And they're as fine and pure and dependable as science can make them. We druggists recommend them to our customers because we know 
you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Phil and Alice have just finished the weekly rehearsal of their radio show, and we find them leaving the studio at NBC. Hey, Alice, looks like we got a swell show for next week, huh? Yes, everything sounded great, Phil, except your song. Do you think you ought to do that type of number? Well, why not? There ain't nothing wrong with my rendition of trees. <laughs> Besides, I can't go on just singing it. Hey... Hey, Alice, look. Look at that guy coming toward us. He looks familiar. Where? Oh, oh, that's Mr. Scott, one of the Rexall executives. Mr. Scott? Mm-hmm. Scott? You mean the guy Frankie and me almost blew up with that chemistry set a few weeks ago? The same. Gee whiz, I never met that guy. You know something, honey? I've been trying to reach him and tell him that I'm sorry, but, but I don't know. He's, he's never in when I call. Well, here's your chance to meet him and apologize. Okay, honey, now look. When he gets up here, introduce him to me and give me a big build-up. Send right. me out. Now. Okay, I will. Hello, Mr. Scott. Oh, how do you do, Miss Faye? My, you look charming today. Oh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Scott, may I present... I meant to call you and tell you how much I enjoyed you on the program last Sunday, Miss Faye. Oh, thank you. And now may I... Pre... Did you really like me? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> oh, I, yes, yes, indeed. I thought your song was out of this world. Oh, it's nice of you to say that, Mr. Scott. I, uh, <coughs> <coughs> I always like to know that you're happy with what I'm doing. <coughs> <coughs> Rexall makes a cough medicine that could help you. As I was saying, Miss Faye, we feel very fortunate in having a star who is both talented and beautiful. I knew he'd get around to me. <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Scott, I'd like to present my husband, Phil Harris. How do you do, Mr. Scott? I've waited a long time to meet you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Quite an occasion, isn't it, Mr. Scott? <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. Mr. Scott, I hope you're not mad about what happened uh, with the chemistry set. You know, I didn't mean to almost blow you up with it. I was only just pulling a practical joke around the house. I keep Alice laughing all the time, don't I, honey? Yes. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Scott, you still seem a little bit upset. I'll do anything to make it up to you. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, hey, why don't you come out the house sometime and I'll let you blow me up. <laughs> sure, any time at all. Will you be home this afternoon? <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I have to run along. Mrs. Scott and I are attending an important dinner this evening. We're having trouble finding someone to sit with our baby daughter. Uh, do you happen to know of a babysitter, Miss Faye? Well, around the holiday season, they're rather difficult to get. Nonsense, honey. What are you talking about, difficult? 
Mr. Scott wants a babysitter, we'll get one for him. Won't be any trouble at all, Scotty. Can I, uh... <laughs> can I count on that? You can bet your wife on it. Don't worry about it. I guarantee to have a babysitter at your house this evening. Oh, thank you, Mr. Harris. Here's my address. Have the sitter at my house by 7. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Scott. Hey, honey. <laughs> Guess I fixed everything up with Scotty, huh? All I got to do is get him a babysitter, and I'm in solid. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do, huh? Do you realize it's almost impossible to get a sitter at the last moment? Nothing's impossible for a Harris. Are you kidding? <laughs> Look, let's go home, and I'll call up the sitters we know. I'll get him one. I'll have him. Hey, honey, looks like we're in trouble. I've been on the phone for an hour. I've called every babysitter we know, but they're all busy. Well, have you tried Gloria Randolph? Gloria? Uh-huh. Hey, Gloria. I forgot about her. Sure, I'll call her, and if she can't come, maybe your husband can. Oh, I'll get the door. All right. And uh, you'll find Gloria's number in the book, Phil. Okay, honey. Oh, hello, Frankie. Hiya, Curly. Oh, Alice. <laughs> Where's Curly? He's inside. Go on in. I have to get lunch ready. Oh, thanks. I'll have a toasted cheese sandwich, two hard-boiled eggs, a cup of coffee. I suggest our 35-cent blue plate, sir. You get dessert with that, sir. Anything you say, Alice. I'm going to see Curly. Hi, Curly. Oh, hello, Frankie. Hey, excuse me. I'm trying to get a girl for tonight. Okay. <laughs> trying to get a girl? Hello? Oh, hello, Gloria. Yeah, this is Phil Harris. Hey, tell me, Gloria, are you doing anything tonight? I better shut the door so Alice can't hear this. <laughs> oh, you're busy tonight, huh, Gloria? Oh, look, honey. Couldn't you make it for a little old curly-headed me? Please, honey, with sugar on it, please. At his age, too. <laughs> oh, well, if he's gone haywire, I'll get my hat and go with him. <laughs> Hey, Curly, ask her if she's got a girlfriend for me. Frankie, please, will you keep quiet? <laughs> girlfriend? Hey, hey, that's an idea. Yeah. Hey, Gloria, have you got a girlfriend that can make it tonight? Oh, they're all busy, huh? Well, can your husband come over? Wait a minute. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you can't make it, Gloria. I'll call you some other time. Goodbye. Oh, uh, look, I'm sorry I was busy, Frankie. I was trying to get a babysitter. You cad! How could you... Babysitter? Certainly. I'm trying to get somebody to stay with Mr. Scott's baby. Scott? Name sounds familiar. It should sound familiar, kid. It should sound very familiar. Why? Well, don't you remember? He was the guy that was coming into the garage with Willie the day our chemistry set exploded. Oh, is he still alive? <laughs> Gloria Megan? Nah, she's busy too, honey. Every girl I called is busy, and I know that. Hey, Remley. What's the matter? Hey, you know a lot of girls. You know one who would be willing to sit with a baby? I might. Now, let's see. There's... Now, remember, Frankie, she has to be refined. <laughs> Alice, please, that's the only type I associate with. Now, let's see. I could get you Babe Zimmerman. No, she'll be too tired at the end of a day. Those sand hogs work pretty hard. <laughs> Hey, maybe I could get you Selma, the masked wonder. The masked wonder? Well, that's just the name she wrestles under. <laughs> nah, she might be a little too rough with the kid. 
Hey, wait. I got just the girl. Bertha the Beaver. <laughs> you think the Beave could beat Mr. Scott's house by 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock? No, she'll never make it. By the time she gets home and showers and shaves... <laughs> she shaves? Shaves? Well, yeah, she's the bearded lady in a sideshow. Oh. <laughs> Here's a guy with a sand hog, a wrestler, and a bearded lady. Hey, Remley, you don't have any two-headed dames on your list, do you? <laughs> Just one, but she ain't... Never mind. <laughs> Would you be serious? Can't you see? This is important to both of us. And it's my chance to get in good with Mr. Scott. I don't happen to know any babysitters. Well, I gotta get somebody to sit with his baby girl. Well, you'd better get somebody dependable. Somebody with intelligence who knows how to handle a baby. How much do you have to know to sit with a baby? Anybody with a half a brain can do it. Good morning, Philip. <laughs> well, if it's... It ain't old half-brain himself. <laughs> hey, Willie. Look, Willie, how would you like to spend this evening with a cute little babe? Oh, oh I'm sorry, Philip. I have to go back to the Rexall office and do... Babe? <laughs> you mean you have a date for me? Well, since you put it that way, uh, yeah. Well, that's different. <laughs> uh, what does this um, babe look like? Ah, oh, she's a cute little honey. She's got curly blonde hair. How's the figure? And big blue eyes. How is her figure? And a cute little turned-up nose that Never just... mind the decorations. How's the tree? <laughs> you surprised me. Hey, sounds like this boy's been around. Hey, Curly, you think he necks? Remley like a giraffe. Like a giraffe. <laughs> hey, when it comes to necking, Willie's at his seconds. You mean moments. Short-winded. Now, Philip, where do you think my date uh, will want me to take her? Look, Willie, that's just the beauty of it. You won't have to take her any place. She just wants you to sit at home with her. Just oh. the two of you, all alone. Just the two of us, all alone? Kind of frightening, isn't it, Willie? <laughs> no, no, I I'm just wondering how to entertain her. I know... I'll take my cribbage board along. Yes, yes, by all means, Willie. And if that fails to get her in a sociable mood, you can always whip her up a batch of boysenberry muffins. <laughs> well, I'd better run, run along and get dressed for the occasion. Oh, by the way, what will my date be wearing? Oh, one of those off-the-hip triangles. <laughs> Willie, the boys are ribbing you. Your date is a baby, and they want you to sit with her. A baby? Well, <laughs> that certainly is a nasty trick to play on me, Philip. You can do your own babysitting. Goodbye. <laughs> He's just a bag of nerves, isn't he? <laughs> Hey, Alice, why did you have to tell him all about it and spoil it? Now who am I going to get? Hey, how about Julius? The kid will jump at a chance to make a few oh, bucks. no, no, Julius can't do it. During the holiday season, he's working nights delivering orders. Of course, one of us could do it. Yeah, but which one? After all, it wouldn't look right for the star of the Rexall program to be a babysitter. That lets me out. <laughs> why can't you do it, Phil? Hmm. Well, I have to stay home with the star's children. That only leaves one person, 
Doesn't it, um... Frankie? You can't imagine whom you're referring to. Then I'll tell you. You. You who? <laughs> you Herbert? No, you. Remley. You Remley? <laughs> I wonder if we're related Will you cut it out, Remley? <laughs> Wait just a minute I don't care You're going to sit with Mr. Scott's baby Or I'll tell him it was your concoction That almost blew him up You mean you'd squeal on me, pal? With no compunction <laughs> And I use the word loosely <laughs> Now look, Frankie I'll tell you what I'll do I'll help, though As soon as the Scots leave Then I'll come over and sit with you well, all right, but you better be there right after the Scots leave, or I'll... I'll... I'll refuse to write your letter to Santa Claus this year. <laughs> you better get going, Frankie. Phil will join you later. I want him to hear the tune I'm singing next week. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Among the sheltering palms, a honey, wait for me, a honey, wait for me. Don't be forgetting we've got a bay out where the sun goes down about eight. How my love is burning, burning, burning. How my heart is yearning, yearning, yearning to be down. Among the sheltering palms, a honey, wait for me. Skies are nice and sunny. We'll know what pretty moonlight is for. We'll see the ocean kiss from the shore. I'll be glad for all the love we started. If you're not, then I'll be broken hearted to be down. Way down. Among the sheltering palms, oh, honey, way for an hour now. I wonder where Curly is. Now, cut it out, will you, baby? Oh, please, little honey. Don't cry. Please don't cry. I shut up! I gotta be firm with these things. They're all alike. You just have to show them. Oh, that must be Curly. Come in! Well, here I am, Mr. Belvedere. Sorry I'm late. All I get is excuses. I'm always at home with the baby while you're out gallivanting with the boys at the pool room. But Alice, I wasn't at the pool room. Oh, shut up! Hey, Remley. Hey, uh, what? Hey, the Scots were satisfied with you as a babysitter, huh? Cool. Doing all right. I told him I was a college boy majoring in child psychology. 
<laughs> Tell them I always sit with your kid. Yeah. Hey, Frankie. Hmm? Hey, let me look at that baby. Yeah, go on. Hey. Oh. <laughs> hey, she's a honey, ain't she? <laughs> Probably talking about my curly hair, right? <laughs> you know something? Hmm? Look how cute she is. She just keeps smiling all the time. Yeah. Hey, she reminds me of Phyllis when she was that age. <laughs> she is pretty. Yeah. You know, Curly, I used to look just like her when I was a baby. <laughs> now, you see, you've hurt her feelings. Now, why didn't you let well enough alone? Now we got to do something to entertain her. Quiet, baby, will you please, honey? Now just be quiet a minute. Oh, let me see. What do you do to make a sponsor's baby happy? Read her a commercial. <laughs> hey, look, Reverend, I got a better idea. Hey, listen to this idea. I'll take off her booties and tickle her orange and blue toes. Now, maybe you better tell her a bedtime story. Oh, a bedtime story? Hey, baby, now wait a minute, baby, baby. Now, quiet a minute, honey. I got a story that you're going to like. Gee, this is a good one. Once upon a time, in a land called Rexall, there lived 10,000 independent druggists. Now, they were all happily married, and each one had 2,000 of the cutest little drug products that you ever saw. <laughs> hey, Frankie. Hey, she likes it. Hey, she... Hey, Frankie. Remley, wake up! <laughs> from Rexall. Now, look, you got her started again. Hey, Remley, she shouldn't be crying like this. There must be something wrong with her, baby. baby. Holy smoke, what time is it, Curly? 8.30, why? Oh, I'm supposed to feed her at 8. Mrs. Scott left her formula in the refrigerator. Well, for goodness sakes, let's get it. I'll carry the baby. Baby, come on now, now. Come on. Upsy-daisy. Dad, because Mommy's at a bitty baby and has gone for a little trip into the kitchen to get your teeny-weensy bottle. <laughs> Oh, for crying out loud. How sickening can a man get? I'll get the bottle out of the refrigerator. Oh, this must be it. Mrs. Scott said she just made one bottle. Now, look what you've done, Ramley. Oh. Now, we only had one bottle and you had to drop it. What are we going to do now? How are we going to feed the baby? Put her on the floor. Maybe she'll lap it up. Frankie, will you listen to me? This is no joke. It's important for a baby to have its formula. Well, you had babies. Mix up another batch for the kids. I never made the stuff. I don't know what goes in it. Alice always made it. In the... Hey, that's it, Alice. Hmm? Hey, I'll call her and she'll tell us how to make the formula. I'll be right back. Phil, I'd rather not tell you how to make the formula over the phone. It's complicated, and you might get it wrong. I'll write down the ingredients and how to mix them and send it over to you. No. No, no, Julius is here delivering an order. He'll bring it over. Goodbye. Oh, that's Phil. He gets into the darndest scrapes. What's all southern fried up to today? <laughs> Julius, look, I want you to do me a favor. Now, look, if you'll take these directions over to Mr. Harris at this address, it's very important I don't lose it, huh? No, don't worry. I'll put it right here in my pocket. Oh, that reminds me. I got something else in my pocket. My mother said I should give you this recipe for a bread stuffing for your Christmas turkey. 
Oh, thanks, Julius, but Mr. Harris prefers oyster stuffing. Now, look, Julius, it's important that Mr. Harris gets these directions as soon as possible. Fear not, fair lady. For you, I shall see that this message gets through. I'll swim the deepest river. I'll climb the highest mountain. I'll go through fire and storm. But, Julius, you only have to go to Beverly Hills. <laughs> I know, but for you, I'm going the hard way. <laughs> Curly, it's after nine. This kid is starved. What's taking Julia so long? All right, all right. He'll be here soon. In the meantime, we better do something to take her mind off food. Look, Remley, we got to amuse her. Hey, I got it. What? Let's get down on our hands and knees and make believe we're a couple of horses. That'll do it. Horse, I got to be yet. <laughs> all right, I'll get down on my hands Come on, hands get down on knees. your hands. Hey, look. Hey, she likes it. Mm. Hey, look, baby. We're horses. <laughs> <laughs> Knock off, Julius. We're just pretending we're horses. We're trying to amuse the baby. Oh, uh, well, you continue, and I'll sing the donkey serenade. <laughs> What's that for? I might as well. You're acting like a couple of jackasses. <laughs> Don't be so funny. Now, have you got those directions Mrs. Harris gave you? Yeah, yeah, I got them right here in my pocket. Let, let's see. Will Stop you... stalling, will you? Give them to me. Take it easy. Here you are. Well, thanks. Now, run along. I got to prepare this formula. I got a baby to feed. The baby's mother's going to let you feed it? Yeah. What's the matter? Has the old lady got a grudge against the kid? <laughs> Will you beat it? Now get out of here. Get going. Someday I'm going to take that Never kid. mind that kid. Let's get the baby's formula made. Give me the paper with Alice's instructions. I'll read it to you while you mix the stuff together. Okay. Wait a minute. What does it say we need first? Let me see. First, get a large bowl. Got it. <laughs> now what? Put two loaves of stale white bread in <laughs> Stale bread? That don't sound right to me. Me neither. <laughs> this kid's a rich baby. Let's use fresh bread. <laughs> that sounds better. Uh-oh. Oh. Ain't got no white bread. Mm. You got any pumpernickel? <laughs> no. All they got is bagels. <laughs> Put a few of those in. Okay. <laughs> okay, you got them in. What else does Alice say? Uh... Add one tablespoon of garlic salt, one tablespoon of red pepper, and a half a cup of fat drippings. Fat drippings? What's that? Curly, don't you know anything? That's the stuff you get at... Comes in small... It's kind of like... Use ketchup. Frankie, it, 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 it seems like my kids used to get the uh, pablum. Now, these are modern methods, scientific guys. <laughs> well, Alice ought to know what she's doing. Okay, let's go ahead. What else she say we need? Uh, some poultry seasoning, parsley, and an onion. An onion? 
Chopped fine. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Chopped fine. Yeah. That must be to make her strong. <laughs> okay, what's next? Let me see. Uh, in a separate pan, heat your heart, liver, and gizzard. <laughs> okay, uh, wait a minute. Who's heart, liver, and gizzard? All right, don't say. <laughs> Let's be on the safe side and skip that, huh? Mix up what you got there. Oh, Curly, mix it faster than that. I can't. The bagels are slowing me down. <laughs> Hey, Remley, this stuff don't look right. Don't look like that stuff Mrs. Scott had in that bottle. That was liquid. This mess is thick and gooey. Yeah, it is. I wonder if Alice forgot to mark down some... Oh. <laughs> uh, it's my fault. <laughs> I skipped one of the ingredients. Yeah? It says add one cup of red wine. <laughs> Wine for a baby? It must be for the holiday season. <laughs> Go on, add it. Okay, I'll mix it in. Yeah, that thinned it up a little. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Good color. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Remley. Somehow this stuff still doesn't look like... It just don't look right to no, me. No, don't Remley. be silly. If Alice says we should give it to the baby, it must be all right. Just put it in a bottle and give it to... Hello there. Oh, it's Mr. Scott. Oh, back so soon, huh? My wife sent me home to check up. She was worried about the baby and wanted... Oh, Mr. Harris, what are you doing here? Oh, oh hello, Miss Scott. I just dropped in to see if everything was going according to schedule. Everything was okay. Oh, that's very nice of you, Harris. Oh, uh, Sonny, I hope you fed the baby on time. And... Oh, so you mixed a little something in this bowl for yourself. What is it? Boiled tripe? <laughs> no. See, Mr. Scott, the baby dropped a bottle, and this is a new batch of formula we mixed up. This is a formula? Yeah. Alice told us how to make it. Do you mind if I taste it before you give it to the baby? No, go ahead. You'll find it very delicious. You'll soon see. Let's take a spoonful. <laughs> hey, Remy. Yeah? Hey, Remy, look at this uh. rope coming out of his ears. Oh, yeah. His, oh. his hat flew up to the ceiling. Hey. Mr. Scott, hey. here we are. Over here, Mr. Scott. No, hey. This side, that's, that's the bowl. It. No, right here. There we go. Right. Yeah. That's How's it. it. How's the taste, Mr. Scott? Oh. Oh, and you wanted to give this molten lava to my baby. Get out of here, both of you. But, Mr. Scott. Get out! An excitable sort, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can't hardly blame him for getting kind of excited, okay? Well, you know. That formula we made for that baby sure must have been powerful stuff. Did you see the way it lifted his lid? <laughs> hey, you know, I can't understand it. It's Alice's formula. It must be the same stuff she gave your kids. Certainly it's the same. My kids? Frankie, come on, let's get home fast. Wait till I get a hold of that out. What's the matter? That's where all my wine's been going. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Meanwhile, listen to an interesting conversation. 
you've dragged me three blocks out of our way to get to this drugstore, Helen. Now tell me why. Because this is a Rexall drugstore, the only place where you can get Rexall drug products. Is that what that orange and blue Rexall sign in the window means? Exactly. I don't get it. Walking three blocks out of the way... Oh, Mr. Druggist. Yes, ma'am? Will you explain to my friend here why so many people prefer Rexall drug products? Well, seeing you two standing there in your winter coats reminds me of one reason. Do you know that Rexall drug products are tested to fit various climates? What on earth do you mean? Rexall scientists create artificial weather that matches the various climates where Rexall drug products are sold. And then, for anywhere from a few months to a year... They test both the products and the packages to see if they are affected in any way. Yes, that's just one of the careful scientific tests, all of the 2,000 or more drug products. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1948-1949 season. Tonight's episode features a little cameo by Eddie Cantor, and Eddie talks about the fact that Jack's going to appear on Eddie's show. Well, I decided to go out and look for that show of Eddie's with Jack as the guest star, and uh, I didn't have it in any of my collections or any of the collections I have a, a connection to. But, doing a little bit of searching on the internet, and boom, there it was. Uh, you'll notice, um, so I'm going to go ahead and attach it. So there's going to be the Jack Benny episode, and then when it ends, the Eddie Cantor episode will uh, pick up. Um, when you hit that Eddie Cantor episode, you're going to notice a dramatic shift in sound quality. Uh, but, this is the only version I've found of the show, so we'll take it. <laughs> um... At first I thought, okay, maybe this is just a mislabeled episode because Jack appeared on Eddie's show a few times and a lot of times used the same script. But, but actually, he's, um, at the very beginning, Eddie sings a little bit of a Christmas song, and so that tells me, okay, this is from the right time frame. So, Anyway, I'd never heard this one before, so you get a chance to hear a seldom-heard episode of the Eddie Cantor show right after an episode of Jack Benny. Um thought this was a good time to share. I have a book called uh, Take My Life, which Eddie Cantor, uh, it's an autobiography of Eddie Cantor's life. Um, I've shared it before a few years ago, but anyway, my copy I found uh, when I was going across the country, I uh, stopped into one of those little old-fashioned towns they have, and there was a little um, old schoolhouse, and the schoolhouse Half of it was an old-fashioned schoolhouse, and half of it was a little old-fashioned bookstore. And they had old books in there for sale. And I saw this one sitting there, and it was like, I think it was $2. And the cover price on the actual um, hardback is three ninety-five from uh, 1957, so it's a first printing. And it actually had the dust cover on it and everything, so I was like, wow. Um, so I did, I'm not a huge Eddie Cantor fan. So, of course, I immediately opened up the book and looked to see if there's any chapters on Jack. And there you go, a chapter on Jack Benny. That's why I like to check out everybody's books from all the old, other old-time radio stars, because almost all of them have a chapter devoted to Jack, and it's always interesting to read their perspective on Jack. So here is uh, Eddie Cantor's perspective. Oh, and like I said, that was a first printing 
And I, I don't know how many of you can say you have a first printing of uh, Eddie Cantor's Take My Life book, and probably even fewer of you can say you have a signed copy. Well, I have a signed copy. It's, of course, signed by R&B Wilcox. Who knows who they are, or he is, or she is. <laughs> okay, so it's not signed by Eddie Cantor, but I can still say I have a signed copy, right? Uh, as long as I don't say it's by Eddie. <laughs> anyway, um, here's what Eddie writes about Jack. I'm just going to kind of condense this down and read just uh, little passages here and there. And let's say right here that the character of the miser is something Jack merely plays. He's the most generous man in the whole business, not only with money, but with his heart. He'll travel any number of miles. He'll raise huge sums of money because he says the right thing. He's a liberal thinker who makes no bones about it. He has never turned down a legitimate cause or let down a legitimate person. Let me show you what I mean. The pose of being stingy has cost him a fortune. Where an ordinary person hands a train porter five dollars, Jack hands him twenty. Where a two dollar tip would suffice in a restaurant, he hands out five, instinctively proving that the character of the miser is not the character of the man. As of course everyone knows whoever's who's ever known Jack. Okay. I've known Jack for a long time. We met in 1918, when the cast of The Follies was asked to entertain at Great Lakes Naval Train Station, Jack was one of the gobs. At least he wore a sailor suit. He didn't look as if he could be second man in a rowboat. As a member of the reception committee, he helped welcome us that night, and he put on his act as part of the show. It wasn't exactly a showstopper. While his violin wasn't good, his monologue was atrocious. But he had something, a happy, a happy faculty of relaxation, so that if the audience didn't scream with laughter, it didn't matter. He seemed to be making things up as he went along. I caught his single in vaudeville a number of times during the following years, and gradually the magic of the man began to appear. He was an offbeat comedian, a man who had to educate the public to his pattern, Jack taught them to demand more than just a series of jokes. He created a comedy pattern for other comedians uh, to follow in the radio years. I thought that's um, interesting how he's talking about Jack creating this type of comedy. And I really think a lot of people give him credit for the situation comedy, for the um, incredible work that he's done uh, with timing that uh, so many folks try and emulate. So I just, I just think it's an interesting chapter in um, Take My Life. Now, you can get Take My Life on Amazon for like 12 cents and, and three ninety nine shipping. It won't have the dust cover like mine does. It'll uh, not have that, of course. Uh, if you want the one with the dust cover that looks like it's probably in better shape than mine, uh, it's $25, I saw on Amazon, but your choice. Uh, the rest of the book, I don't know. I don't love his writing, but it's interesting. There's chapters on uh, Jimmy Durante and some of the other folks that that he that Eddie Cantor worked with and knew. Um, anyway, enjoy our two episodes. 
both uh, the Jack Benny Show and the Eddie Cantor Show. And uh, we shall see you next time. I think next week is our shopping episode from 1948. So I hope you're enjoying all our Christmas presentations. I'm enjoying bringing them to you, getting a lot of comments on them, which is great. Um, I've been more active with my Twitter account now, so you might check me out on Twitter. Anyway, we'll see you folks next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Your level best. That's how you'll feel when you light up a Lucky. Because Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. It's important to you as a smoker to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And every smoker knows... L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Mild, ripe, light tobacco. Remember, more independent tobacco experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. It's good to know that fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. By putting you on the right level to feel and do your level best. That's the lucky level. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Get on the lucky level where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of luckies and get started today. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, in the life of Jack Benny, Saturday is a hectic day of rehearsals. Sunday is an exciting day of the broadcast. But Monday, ah, Monday, that's the day for rest and relaxation. So if you promise not to disturb him, I'll take you out to Jack's home in Beverly Hills and see how he spends his day of leisure. Ah, this is wonderful. Nothing to do but just sit here by the fire in this easy chair and smoke a cigarette. Are you comfortable, boss? Oh, yes, very comfortable. Rochester, uh, move that ashtray a little closer, will you, please? Here you are. Ah. Rochester, move my chair a little closer to the fireplace, please. Yes, sir. Ah. <laughs> what a way to relax. Rochester, flick the ashes off my cigarette. <laughs> will you, please? Yes, sir. Ah. Do you want me to lift your eyelids so you can see the fire? <laughs> no, no, I'll do it myself. But with these long lashes, they are kind of heavy. <laughs> ah. Yes, sir, there's nothing like sitting by the open fireplace. Ah. What was that? I just threw one in to help you out. <laughs> Thanks. Gee, this is wonderful. You know, I think I'll doze off for a while. This chair is so comfortable. Ah, whoops. I'll have to get that spring fixed. <laughs> you know, Rochester, I hope nobody stops in today. I just want to sit here and forget everything. Hmm. 
Mm. Boss, what are you fidgeting for? My back itches. Scratch it for me, Rochester, will you please? Okay. A little higher. To the left. Lower. Up a little. Higher. Higher. Ah! <laughs> Rochester, remember that Chinese back scratcher I used to have? Yeah, why'd you ever fire him? <laughs> Rochester, stop with those jokes. You know, your irrevocable propensity for jocularity is just an inept endeavor to be facetious. Well! <laughs> now, look, um, I want to be alone, so just let me... No, there's somebody at the door. I'll get it. Oh, hello, Mr. Wilson. Well, hello, Rochester. Is Mr. Benny in? Yeah, he's right in the den. You know, Mr. Wilson, the boss was kind of upset last week after you got in that argument with him about Rudyard Kipling and Shakespeare. He was? Yes, sir. When he found out he was wrong, he felt so ashamed, he ran upstairs, threw himself across the bed, and cried like a baby. No. Yeah. What a, what a pathetic sight. A gray-haired old baby. <laughs> uh, who's out there? It's me, Jack. Oh, hello, Don. Come on in the den. Hey, hey, how come you're not dressed? Well, Don, this is my day off, and I'm sort of relaxing. Later on, I'm going to have a masseur come over and give me a massage. Well, Jack, I did the same thing yesterday, only I had two masseurs. Two masseurs? Yes, they started working on me at noon. And at six o'clock, when they came up over my stomach, I introduced them. <laughs> Don, a masseur couldn't get over your stomach with a pick and a rope. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Don. Well, uh, by the way, Jack, regarding that argument we had last week about Shakespeare and Kipling... Yes, yes, I sir. want to thank you for that letter of apology you sent me. That's quite all right. Forget it. Did you receive my reply? Forget it, Don. No, no, Jack. This whole argument was ridiculous. Forget it, Don. And I meant every word when I wrote to you and said that my irrevocable propensity for jocularity was just an inept endeavor to be facetious. <laughs> Uh-oh. Where are you going, Rochester? When that line came out of you, I thought you were delirious and called the doctor. <laughs> I didn't tell you I made it up, and besides, it wasn't easy memorizing it. Now, Don, what'd you come over to see me about? Well, Jack, your quartet's here, and uh, they prepared a commercial that they want you to listen to. The sportsman? Mm hmm But, Don, not today. I want to relax. I I'll hear it tomorrow. Oh, you've got to hear it now, Jack. They're going away on a little vacation tomorrow. They are? Well, where are they now? In the living room. Oh, for heaven's sake. Fella tries to have just one day to himself, and all he gets is. Don. Don, who's that guy on your back? I'm his third masseur. He hasn't met me yet. <laughs> well, get off of him. We got work to do. Oh, hello, fellas. <clears throat> Boys, Don tells me you're going away for a few days. Uh, where, uh, where are you going? If you know what we know, then you go where we go, where they grow tobacco. <laughs> <laughs>
into the closet. <laughs> Fella, the front door is over there. That what dumb guys Imagine them going into my closet Boss, they aren't so dumb What? They marched out wearing four of your suits <laughs> My suits? Hey, fellas Fellas, Don Don Wilson <coughs> Oh, darn it, he's gone too Oh, well, I'll see him when they get back I'm not gonna let it spoil my day of relaxation Now, let's see, what'll I do? Read a book or a magazine Or maybe... Read a book, read a book <laughs> Hello, Polly. Hello. Boss, is there anything you'd like me to do for you? No, no, Rochester, I'm fine. I, I just want to take it easy. Well, the television is on. Why don't you watch that? Say, that's a good idea. Yeah, da dee da dum, da dee da dum, da dum dum dee da da dum, da dee. Ah. Hey, look at that prize fight. Gee, television is wonderful. Say, those two fighters are really mixing it. A right, a left. Wow, he's on his knees. The referee's counting. One, two, three. Oh, darn it, the Coleman's pulled their shade down. <laughs> Gee, I wish, I wish I had a television set. Hey, maybe my cast will chip in and buy me one for Christmas. Maybe my writers will give me one. Say, maybe, maybe my sponsor will give me one. Or maybe on New Year's Eve, I'll have an extra glass of sherry and buy one myself. <laughs> oh, well, I'll see what happens. Mr. Benny, my money, please. Huh? Gee, Polly. Polly, you sounded just like my violin teacher, Professor LeBlanc. Come to think of it, you look a little like him, too. <laughs> well, I... I think I'll go back in the den now. Oh, darn it. I'll get the phone, Rochester. 
Hello? Hiya, Jackson. Hey, Jackson, I'm all alone at the house, and I want you to help me out. What is it, Phil? Well, I'm writing a letter to a friend of mine, and I'm stuck. How do you spell entertainer? For heaven's sake, Phil, why do you call with the silly things like that? Why don't you look it up in the dictionary? I didn't. It ain't in there. <laughs> entertainer? Of course it's in the dictionary. No, it ain't. I looked all through the ends. <laughs> Well, naturally, you won't find it in the ends. Entertainer begins with an E. Entertainer starts with an E? Certainly, the E is silent, like, uh, like the P in your first name. My name starts with a P? <laughs> Phil, Phil, don't you even know how to spell your name? What do you do when you sign a check? The same as you. I cry a little. <laughs> I don't mean that. Look, Phil, today is my day off. I'm trying to relax. All right, Pops, relax, relax. Maybe if you rest up real good, you can come along with me on the next hunting trip. The one I went on last week was a pip, Jackson. We went up the High Sierras. I know, I know. You told me you were going. Tell me, Phil, did you hunt bear? Well, one day we... <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute, Jackson. Uh, hey, ask me that again. <laughs> mm. Oh, no, he caught me on that last week. <laughs> not going to catch me this come time. Come on, come on, Jackson. Ask me that again. Okay. Tell me, Phil, did you hunt grizzly? No, we shaved every day. <laughs> oh, Harris, the P in your first name may be silent, but the rest of you is dynamite. <laughs> Phil, Philzy boy. Hey, no kidding, Jackson. I wish you'd have been with us. Really exciting, especially when you've got good hunting dogs. You shoot down them ducks and the retrievers, bring them right back to you. Oh, the retrievers, eh? Who went on the trip with you? Just me and Remley. Say, you guys are really pals, aren't you? You never go hunting without Remley. I have to take him. He's one of the retrievers. Remley? Yeah, you ought to see him, Jackson, swimming across the lake with a duck in his mouth. <laughs> oh, for heaven. Why doesn't he carry it in his hand? What, and let go of the bottle? <laughs> that does it, Phil. Goodbye. So long, Marsha. <laughs> I never... I never saw a guy like Phil. Doesn't worry about a thing. Gee, I was hoping that call was from Daisy. Daisy who, boss? Daisy Dickinson. She's Mr. Osborne's secretary of Batten, Barton, Durston, and Osborne. I got a date with her tomorrow night. She's cute, too. She makes $85 a week. Her, her take-home pay is $63.40. Well, what'll I do now? Maybe I'll read a... Say, Rochester, what's this package here on the table? It came in the mail this morning, boss. It's for you. For me? Hmm, I wonder what it is. See, it's a little phonograph record. That's funny. I can't understand. Well, I might as well play it and see what it is. Hello, Jack. This is Eddie Cantor. Hey, 
Jack, I just want to remind you, you're going to be a guest on my program Friday night. He didn't have to send me this record. I knew I was going to be on. So long, Jack. I'll sign off now. This is Eddie Canter, 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 Rochester, lift up the arm. The record is stopped. No, it isn't. I made it this way. Canter, 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 What a Imagine making a record just for that. Say, while I'm relaxing, I might as well put some other records on. Let's see, here's Brahms' Lullaby by Spike Jones. <laughs> here's White Christmas, sung by Bing. Hmm, the last name is scratched out. I wonder who that is. Here's a new one. Who put the microfilm in Mrs. Murphy's pumpkin? <laughs> Here's one. Oh, What a Beautiful Morning by Patrick J. McNulty. <laughs> hey, here's one, here's one that Dennis Day made with Phil's orchestra. You must have been a beautiful baby. See, that's an old favorite of mine. I think I'll play it. <laughs> been a wonderful child when you were only starting to go to kindergarten i bet you drove the little boys wild and when it came to winning blue ribbons you must have shown the other kids how i can see the judge's eyes as they handed you the prize i bet you made the cutest Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby Cause baby, a little baby Look at you now <laughs> Gee, gee, that's a good number And Dennis sings it so well, too Phil's music didn't spoil it a bit. <laughs> well, what else can I do to while away the time? Eh, I think I'll read a book. I must have been a beautiful baby. I must have been a wonderful child. When I was only... I don't know what to read. When I was only starting to go to kindergarten, I really drove the little girls wild. Oh, yes. <laughs> And when it came... Oh, here's Billy Rose's new book, Wine, Women, and Words. Yeah, I read that. It's great. And when it came to winning blue ribbons, I really showed the other kids how I can see... Gee, I don't know whether I'd like to read a mystery or something romantic. I can see the judge's eyes as he handed me the prize. I made... I'll get the door, Rochester. I made the cutest little bow... Oh, I must have been a beautiful baby. But, brother, get a load of you now. 
hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. I'm going to do a little Christmas shopping. Would you like to join me? No, I'm, I'm not going to shop till next week. This is my day of relaxation. You know, Mary, a man should begin to take things easy, you know, when he's pushing 40. Pushing 40? Yeah. You went through it like a Michigan halfback. <laughs> all right, all right. Come on in for a minute. You can shop later. Okay. You alone? Yeah, Phil called a little while ago. He just got back from a hunting trip up in the High Sierras. The High Sierras, eh? Did he hunt bear? Well, he... <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, Mary. Mary. What'd you say? I said, did he hunt bear? No, he took his razor with him. <laughs> oh, Jackson, you may not be a retriever, but anyone who throws you a lead is a dead duck. Uh, Jack, uh, what are you talking about? It's over your head, sister. It's over your head. <laughs> Come on in the den, Mary. I want to get back to that old fireplace again. Uh, don't bother, Jack. I'll answer it. Okay. Hello? Hello. Can I please speak to little old Jack Benny? Uh, just a second. I'll call him. Oh, are you his mother? No, are you? <laughs> oh, goodness, no, honey. I'm just little old Daisy Dickinson. Uh, will you please call Mr. Benny for me? Uh, okay. Just a little old while. <laughs> oh, Jack, it's for you, Daisy Dickinson. Well... Hello. Hello, sugar. Hello, Daisy. Oh, I just called to thank you for the lovely bouquet of flowers you sent me. Oh, did you like them? Oh, yes. Oh, and I just loved what you said on the card. Daisies for Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wrote that with, without my writers. <laughs> Sugar, you know, when I saw daisies for Daisy, it made me wish my name were Orchid. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that, that would sound silly, daisies for Orchid, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I've been waiting for your call, honey. Well, everything's okay for our little old date tomorrow night. Good, good. We'll do something special. You know, we'll have an early dinner, and then I know the most romantic place to park on Wilshire Boulevard. <laughs> But sugar boy, Wiltshire Boulevard, romantic. Have you ever watched the moon come up over the Bank of America? <laughs> huh? Oh, you're so cute. I see you tomorrow night, you little old bow weevil. Okay, you little old, you little old possum, you. Goodbye. <laughs> Gee, Mary, she, she's so nice, you know? She's awful nice. How'd you meet her, Jack? She's a secretary at my advertising agency, Bat and Barton, Durson, and little old Osborne. <laughs> oh, well, Jack, I can't wait any longer. I've got to go shopping. Okay, Mary, see you later. Uh, so long. Oh, by the way, Jack, uh, maybe you can help me out. Can Rochester hear us talking? No, he's in the kitchen. Why? Well, I want to know what to get him for Christmas, and it's kind of tough to think of a suitable gift. Yeah, Rochester is a problem at Christmas time. What can you get him? He's been with me ten years. He's got nothing. <laughs> I know. Say, Jack, 
Do you think Rochester would like it if I got him a pair of bedroom slippers? Sure, Mary. Bedroom slippers would be fine. Well, thanks a lot for helping me. I'll be running along now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, size eight and a half. <laughs> Rochester. <laughs> Rochester, that wasn't very nice. You know what happens to people who eavesdrop? Yeah, they get the right size. <laughs> I guess you're right. I just didn't get the right line. You got the right size. <laughs> well... I think I'll go back in the den and read a book. I must have been a beautiful baby. Huh? See if there are any books that I haven't read. Here's a good one. The City Boy by Herman Woke. Oh, he's the fellow who used to write for Fred Allen, then he left Allen and went to war. A coward. <laughs> Say, I think I'll read that one. Oh, darn it, why can't I? Come in! Come in! Oh, hello, Dennis. I came to say goodbye. I'm going to jail. <laughs> jail? Unless you can straighten out this traffic ticket. What'd you get a traffic ticket for? I took a four-way coal tablet on a one-way street. <laughs> Dennis, let me see that ticket. Here. Oh, for heaven's sake. Dennis, you got this ticket for riding your bicycle up the escalator in the May Company. I don't blame him for being mad. Neither do I. I bought it at Bullock's. <laughs> Look, kid, I'm trying to have one day of complete rest, so I don't want any more of this silly talk. What'd you come over here for? I thought Phil was here. I wanted to talk over an arrangement with him. Well, he's not here. He called me up a little while ago. He just got back from a hunting trip in the high Sierras. Oh? Did he hunt bear? <laughs> hey, Dennis. Dennis. Ask me that again. Ask you what? Did he hunt bear? No, he had his clothes on. <laughs> oh, Dennis, you've got... Well, I'm glad I got rid of him. How can a kid think of such silly things out... Hmm. Hello? <laughs> oh, Dennis, you've got two shows and a head for each one of them. Dennis, how did you get to a phone booth so fast? My bicycle's got a motor on it. Goodbye! That kid's gonna drive me nuts. One of these days... Oh, now, who can that be? Goodbye. Well, I'm too tired to try and figure it out now. I'm going in the den and relax. chair fast asleep. I won't wake him. I'll just pick him up and carry him upstairs and put him to bed. Just look at him. Not a care in the world. Look at the way he snuggles in my arms like a little child. He must have been a beautiful baby. He must have been a wonderful child. When he was only starting to go to kindergarten, I'll bet he drove the Indians wild. <laughs> and when it came to winning blue ribbons, he must have shown the other side. 
Jack will be back in just a moment, but first... Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. You see, Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. It's good to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And that's why it's so important that you select and smoke the cigarette of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. And as every smoker knows... L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T... Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. No wonder Lucky Strike is the overwhelming favorite of tobacco experts. For more independent auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, smoke Lucky's regularly than the next two leading brands combined. So... Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get on the right level, the lucky level, where there's real joy in living, where it's fun to be alive. The lucky level where you feel your best and do your best. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. And remember, here's a gift every smoker on your Christmas list is sure to appreciate. A carton of Lucky Strike cigarettes in beautiful holiday wrapping. And for that special someone, get Lucky Strike 500s, the handsome gift box of 25 packages of Lucky Strike cigarettes. I'm sorry I woke you up, boss. That's all right, Rochester. I'll go right back to sleep again. Good night. Good night. Well, I guess my day is just about over. I'll have to make the cutest little bow. Next is Phil and Alice Faye, Dennis Day on Saturday. Be sure to listen there a while. Oh, they must have been such comical babies. Cause, brother, get a load of them now. They both got two shows. Brother, get a load of them now. Be sure to hear the Lucky Strike Hit Parade starring Frank Sinatra on Saturday. And don't forget the Lucky Strike program. Your Lucky Strike. This is NBC, the national broadcasting. Operator, this is Eddie Cantor. Connect me with Fink's Drugstore. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Fink's Drugstore. Hello. Would you please run across the street and call Jack Benny to the phone? Well, Mr. Benny happens to be here now, but you'll have to wait a minute. He's talking to the manager at the pinball machine. <laughs> ah, that was a lucky one. Two nickels, please. We don't pay off on tilt. <laughs> Phil, listen, buddy, I play the game fair and square. I don't, I, I don't even lay my hands on the machine. What I do with my feet is pure skill. We have rules. We do not pay off on a pinball game unless the machine remains inside the store at all times. <laughs> but, Mr. Fink, you shoved it so close to the soda fountain, you shot the last three balls into the molded milkshake. <laughs> Look, if that's the way you want to run your drugstore, I'll go elsewhere. Please try to understand, Mr. Benny. I don't mind you shoving the machine a little. But you're not supposed to break the glass and put the balls where you want them. <laughs> and I dropped my handkerchief on it. Your handkerchief? Yes, I had my lunch in it. I come here just for coffee, not to eat. Oh, all right. Here your nickel. Uh, Mr. Benny. Didn't even touch the thing. Uh, uh, you're wanted on the phone. Oh, thanks. Help me get this pinball machine off my bag. Accusing <laughs> a guy of... Hello? Jack, this is Canada. I got your message to call. Oh, yes, yes, Eddie. This is urgent. I must see you immediately regarding a certain proposition. Look, Jack, I'm not going to get stung with any more of your propositions. 
I didn't mind last month when you sold me that piece of property and told me it was a gold mine. It is, Eddie. I tell you, miniature golf courses are coming back. <laughs> but that's just a small deal. This proposition is big. It's tremendous. Suppose I come over and discuss it with Look, you. Look, Jack, I'm going on the air in a minute. I can't have you barging in on my program unless the sponsor gives us consent. Okay, I'll hang around the drugstore until you hear from your sponsor. You can't afford to miss this Ladies and gentlemen, Bristol Myers, the makers of iPana for the smile of beauty and Sal Hepatica for the smile of health, presents It's Time to Smile with... Eddie Cantor. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. How are you, Harry? Say, Eddie, I overheard your conversation with Jack Benny. You know you don't need the sponsor's consent. Now, why don't you let him come on the program? Harry, we've got a good thing here, haven't we? Yes. We're both eating regularly? Yeah. We get paid every week? Well, what's all that got to do with Jack coming on our program? Listen, if our sponsor finds out people are supposed to laugh, we're through, you know. <laughs> Besides, Harry, I don't like to have him around. He's such a cheap guy. Oh, no, Eddie, that's just a rumor. <laughs> Really, it's a rumor. I happen to know that for Mary's last birthday, Jack gave her a beautiful silver fox muff. Silver fox muff? Yes. That was Benny's toupee with a zipper on it. Eddie, <laughs> oh, you're exaggerating. I'm again. not. That guy is really tight. Wednesday, he goes into a butcher shop and gets some liver for his dog. Thursday, he gets some hamburger for his dog. Friday, he gets bones for his dog. Yeah, well, what's chief about that? Harry, he's got no dog. <laughs> I never thought Jack was that stingy. He's always been that way. When Benny was a baby, he was weaned on a piggy bank. <laughs> Believe me, Harry. Oh, and the phone there, Eddie. Hello? Anything new? <laughs> no, Jack. The sponsor hasn't called yet. Why can't you tell me about your proposition now? Look, not over the phone, Eddie. It's too big, too important. Look, did John D. Rockefeller ever transact business over a phone? Did Rockefeller ever discuss million-dollar deals over a phone? Yes, he did. Well, who do you think I am, Rockefeller? <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, but, but, but Jack, I'm busy. Will you call me back? Okay, okay. I don't know what to do with that guy. He is the... Oh, hello, Miss Cannon. Well, it's Hattie McDaniel. <laughs> Hattie, I've been looking for you all day. Where have you been? I've been substituting for Rochester over at Mr. Benny's house. <laughs> yes. They put poor Rochester in jail last night. In jail? What for? He smiled during a blackout. <laughs> he, you say he smiled? Yes, sir. And the gold in his teeth lit up Hollywood Boulevard, Craddock Glendale. <laughs> Tell me, Hattie, I'm anxious to know. You've been to Mr. Benny's house. Has he really got a piggy bank? Oh, no, sir. He hasn't? No, sir. But he's the only man I know who's got a mattress that jingle, jangle, jingle. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Cantor, I'll be running along now. All right, goodbye, honey. So long. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> speaking. Oh, oh, is this you, Eddie? I must have dialed your number by mistake. Uh... <laughs> However, since you're on the phone, 
Anything new? No, not yet, Jack. Well, I hate to bother you so much, but don't worry about the sponsor. I'll drop over later on. So long. So long. Harry, I can't understand that, Benny. He is so... Come in. Anything new? Jack, why, it's Jack Benny! This is really a surprise. Wait a minute, Eddie. What do you mean, surprise? In the first place, I just got through talking to you on the phone. Last week, you announced that I was going to be on your program. I announced it on my show, Sunday. It's been an all-the-radio column. You've had eight Pinkerton detectives following me for five days. Now, when I walked in here, why did you get so excited? Well, look, Jack, let's not fool ourselves. If I didn't get so excited when you walked in, if I didn't say, why, it's Jack Benny! Do you think you'd get such a big reception? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, yeah? Well, Jack, I'm going to show you the difference. Walk out and come in again. All right, I will. Come in. Why, it's Jack Benny. proposition. Jack, Jack, will you forget business? Forget business for a while. Business, business, business. I haven't seen you for so long, Jack. Let's just have a friendly chat. All right. Is it a money-making proposition? Well, no, no, not exactly, no. So how are you feeling, Jack? How are you? Gosh, it's good to see you. You know, I never see you, Jack. Of course, I listen to you every Sunday. Oh, then you, uh, Eddie, you did hear me mention that I was going to be on your program, didn't you? Yes, Jack. That's the part I heard. Yep. Oh, thank Now, and, uh, <laughs> and on your show, you also mentioned going to see the preview of your new picture, George Washington Slept Here. Did you, did you actually go? Yes. Yes, Eddie, I, I finally saw the picture. Well, tell me, Jack, uh, how is it? I mean, were you pleased with your work in it? Well, Eddie, you know, I hate to bring it up and put one of all this Look, let me tell you something. Now, Eddie, I'm... I'm not conceited. You know that, don't you? Well, of course, you. I mean, I mean, you, you've never heard me rave about myself, have you? Never, Jack. Never. Well, Eddie, I will amaze you in this picture. Look, no kidding. I really will. Really? I, I honestly believe that for the first time, the screen has captured the real me. Well, I'm glad to hear it, Jack. And you know I'm not egotistic. No, 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 no. After all, now, well, tell me more about it, Jack. I'm, I'm really interested. No, no, Eddie, I'd rather not talk about it. I mean, people might think I'm swell-headed and over-enthusiastic, so ah, let's let's drop it. Okay. <laughs> By the way, Jack, how is Mary? Mary? Why, she's not even in the picture. <laughs> it's, uh... You see, it's, uh, it's Ann Sheridan. Oh, yes, yes. And, Eddie, I must tell you about one scene we have together. You see, Ann and I have been married for three years. And there's one scene in the garden that'll tear your heart out. Really? Oh, really. It's where I say to her, Connie... See, that's your name in the picture, that's Connie. Connie. Uh, my name is Billy Boy. <laughs> Really? Yeah, 
look at that. Oh, no, but this scene is really beautiful. I yes. say to her, now this is after we've been married, you of see, course. for three years, you see. And we're out in the garden, and I say, Connie, Connie, this is our third anniversary. Tell me, sweetheart, do you still love me? And as the moonbeams cast their magic spell over us, she looks into my eyes and softly whispers, No. <laughs> I am can cry at his own picture. Well, well, that must be a real dramatic highlight, Jack. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, well, enough about me and everything. How's Ida? Did she see my picture? <laughs> no, she didn't. Tell me, Jack. How do you look on the screen? I mean, how do you photograph? How do I photograph? On the screen. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, Eddie. <laughs> I mean, you know me well. You know I never brag. <laughs> I mean, you know that. I know that, Jack. Uh, come here a minute. Yeah. Now, don't don't misunderstand well, what I'm going to Jack, say. I can, you know. You know. Now, look at You've seen Robert Taylor on the screen, haven't you? Uh-huh. Well, oh, let's not talk. Oh, yeah. oh come on, Jack. Let me hear. I'm your no, friend. No, no, Let me hear. I'm acting like a kid. No. Jack, it's all right. Let's drop it, Eddie. I'm... No, let's kick it around some more. You just told me you you really feel that you've established yourself as a great screen lover? Definitely. <laughs> to tell you the truth, Eddie, I was so good in those love scenes that in my next picture, they're just going to give me a leading lady and a rumble seat. <laughs> Jack, I, I'd like to ask you something. You and I have been friends for a great many years, haven't we? Oh, we've been pals, kid. I'd like to ask you something, brother. What is it, kid? <laughs> Who's going to play the part of the rumble seat? Listen, Eddie, not changing the subject. Yeah. But look, I was awfully thirsty when I came in here. Is there any water around here? Yeah, right out in the hall, Jack. Thanks, Eddie. I'll be right back. What a ham. <laughs> Harry. Harry, will you come here a minute? Now, what it is? Did you ever hear a man rave so much about himself? <laughs> Did you ever see such a display of egotism? No. no, Eddie, I must admit I never did. Well, let me tell you something. What? I didn't want to mention this to Jack, but I saw George Washington slept <laughs> Uh, how does Jack photograph, Eddie? How does he look? Harry, come here a minute. Yeah. You've seen Robert Taylor, haven't you? Oh, sure. I've seen him in lots of pictures. Then you know it can't be the camera. <laughs> Jack, uh, Jack looks pretty bad, huh? He looks pretty... I'll explain it this way. Did you ever see a little girl about six years old when she gets into a mother's purse and puts on some rouge and lipstick? <laughs> yes. Well, Jack looked just like that, only he had a red arrow pointing to his dimple. <laughs> I was just telling Harry, Harry how anxious. Mary is home listening to the program. I've been telling her to listen. I've been just telling Harry Bonzell how anxious I am to see you in your new picture, Jack. Really? Yeah. Well, that can be arranged, Eddie. I'll leave a couple of passes for you at the box office. 
Passes? Yes, yes. It won't cost you a cent. You just have to be there at the theater any time between 5 and 6 in the morning, and you can see the picture. It's a sort of an early bird matinee. Look, Jack, I'd like to see George Washington slept here, but I don't want to get there so early I have to wake him up. All right, Eddie, I'll give you two swell tickets for tonight. You'll give me? Well, in, in return, I'd like to ask a small favor. Uh, remember me telling you over the phone about a certain proposition? Yes, that's it. Come, come. Well, well, here's what it is. Yes. I am going to New York in a couple of weeks. Yes. They want to see the Brooklyn bombshell there. <laughs> and I, I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks, and I'd like to take your whole cast with me. That's his favor, you? Yes. No. Don't be ridiculous, my whole... I'm sorry, Jack, but it's no deal. Listen to me, kid. You keep your show and I'll keep mine. Well, I just thought I'd ask. If you say no, that's the end of it, Eddie. Glad we understand each other. Now, look, Jack. Oh, Mr. Cater. Why, yes, Dinah. Come in, Dinah. You wanted it to stay so, Mr. Oh, Cater. thanks, Dinah. Jack, you, you know Dinah Shaw. Oh, sure, sure. Hello, Dinah. Hello. Hello. I got to run. I can't let you have any of my cash, Jack. You asked me and I told you, and that's right. the way it... Shall it be that way? That'll you be told me not to... I'll see you later. Um, Dinah. Yeah. Uh, Dinah. Uh-huh. Come here a minute, will you? Okay. Look, uh, Dinah. Yes? Dinah. Uh-huh. Dinah, are you happy here? I mean, are you satisfied with what you're doing and for whom you're doing it? Oh, what do you mean, Jack? I mean, wouldn't you rather broadcast on... Sunday than on Wednesday. Well, what's the difference? Well, look look what it does to your whole week. Look, when you broadcast on Wednesday, let me show you. You broadcast on Wednesday, then all of a sudden comes Thursday and Friday. The first thing you know, your weekend is shot. Then all of a sudden comes Monday and Tuesday, and you're working again. Where at? When you broadcast on Sunday, you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday all to yourself. Wonderful. But, Mr. Finney, I... No buts, Dinah. I'm determined to have you work for me. Now, I'll tell you what. I'll pay you twice as much as you get from Cantor. Now, how much does, uh, how much does Eddie pay you? Well... I know how you feel, Ida. <laughs> Dinah, I know how you feel. Just, just whisper it to me. How much does he pay you? He pays me, uh... Hmm. <laughs> Look, Dinah, if you work on Sunday, it'll ruin your whole week.
Hmm, I wonder what Cantor really pays her. Uh, did you say something, Mr. Benny? Why, no, 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 Harry. I was just... Oh, say, Harry. What? Come here a minute, will you? What's the matter? Harry, are you happy here? <laughs> yes, I'm very happy here. Oh, I mean, I mean, are you happy in California? Don't you get tired of all this sunshine? Wouldn't you rather go back to New York and step into a nice, slushy gutter? <laughs> What are you driving at? Well, would you be interested in coming back to New York with my show? Well, what about Don Wilson? Oh, Don's all right, but with the meat rationing, I'd like to get a smaller run out. <laughs> and he's so unreasonable. Why well, offer to pay his fare back to New York, but he refuses to sleep in an upper berth? Oh, well, that is unreasonable. Of course it is. After all, how much room does Dennis Day take up? <laughs> What do you say, Harry? Well, uh, tell me we'll get a million laughs. Well, to tell the truth, Jack, I'd rather stay here and get a million smiles. You'd rather get smiles? Yes, I would. How do you go about it? That's very simple. (laughs) Do it like this. Ladies and gentlemen, to help get a smile you can be really proud of, decide now to change to Ipana toothpaste and gum massage. Because firm, healthy gums are mighty important to sound teeth and sparkling smiles. And Ipana toothpaste is not only unsurpassed for cleaning and brightening teeth... But when used with massage, it's especially designed to help stimulate and strengthen gums. To help keep them from becoming susceptible to gum trouble. So, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you follow this simple, helpful routine? Regularly brush your teeth with Ipana toothpaste. And every time you do, put a little extra Ipana on your brush or fingertips and massage it on your gums. So get a tube of Ipana from your druggist tomorrow. And remember, the government says we can't buy toothpaste of any kind without turning in an empty tube. So don't forget to take an empty metal tube of some kind with you when you ask for your Ipana toothpaste. Oh, Dinah. Dinah, where's Jack Benny? He went into your dressing room to comb his hair. That's silly. He could have left it here and I'd have combed it. <laughs> Mr. Cantor, maybe I shouldn't mention this, but, well, Jack Benny's been trying to hire me for his program. What? And Harry, too. No. Yeah. After I won't. I'll fix him and I'll fix him good. What, what are you doing, Mr. Cantor? You said he's in my dressing room? Yeah. I'm going to phone in there and pretend that I'm Rochester. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny! This is Rochester, boss. I'm quitting. I got a very lucrative offer from Eddie Cantor. All the cheap tricks. The minute my back is turning, tries to steal my cash. I can't trust anybody these days. Ain't you the truth? Rochester. You're making a big mistake going to work for Cantor. Why, he'll never pay you as much as I owe you. <laughs> Rochester, working for me, you got a future. Why do you want to leave? Frankly, boss, I'd rather work for a younger man. <laughs> younger? Why, Cantor's old enough to be my father. And if I was a girl, he probably would be. <laughs> Rochester, your mind's made up. I mean, you finally decided to leave me? That's right. Goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye, Candor. <laughs> he knew it all the time. Well, I'll go into the dressing room now and find out exactly what I'm talking about. Now, if I could only find someone here who isn't loyal, a guy that would stoop to anything, a complete stinker. <laughs> How do you do? For 12 years, I've been working for Kemper, and now... Yes? I am revolting. <laughs> you certainly are. Thank you. Thank you. Rush, 
I'll give you a contract if you're sure you want to quit temper. Why shouldn't I quit him? He's no good. He's a crook. He's a heel. Aha! And I love him. He's like my own brother. <laughs> Russian, don't let him tempt you with money. Even if you do work for Benny, you can't get above the $25,000 ceiling. Working for you, I can't even get off the floor. <laughs> my ceiling is zero. Oh, Mr. Betty, I've decided to work for you at my very lowest figure. What's that? Mm, nothing. <laughs> I don't understand. You've been with me so long. Why do you want to leave me to go to work for Jack Benny? Because I like him. I like him. I like him. <laughs> I owe him a depth of gratitude, Abe. You see, <laughs> many years ago, back in Moscow, I am sitting with my girl. We are tuning in on the radio. And we are hearing... I am holding her hand. I can smell the chrysanthemums right in the air. And then, my dear friend, I propose, Mr. Benny, that's why I am grateful to you. You mean, you mean your girl said yes? No, the music was so bad she killed herself. Thank you. What's the matter? What's the matter? What's wrong? Nothing's the matter, Eddie. Don't you get it? Now, listen to me here. What is it? An imitation of Donald Duck? No. Oh, it's not either. I'm practicing to be a ventriloquist. Shirley's been teaching me. Oh, you mean Shirley Dinsdale, a little 15-year-old ventriloquist? Yeah, and when she comes back next week from San Francisco, she's going to give me my second lesson. And after that, I'll come up to the microphone, and without even moving my lips, I'll be able to say, ladies and gentlemen, it's worth your while to know how much faster Sal Hepatica helps you feel better when you wake up in the morning feeling headachy and out of sorts due to the need of a laxative. Because then Sal Hepatica brings speedy, gentle relief, usually within an hour. So you don't have to put off till night taking the laxative you need in the morning. You don't have to risk feeling miserable all day. Sparkling Sal Hepatica has this advantage, too. Sal Hepatica also helps sweeten an upset stomach by helping to reduce excess gastric acidity. So get a bottle of Sal Hepatica from your druggist tonight or tomorrow. And any time you need a laxative, morning, noon, or night, See how much faster you feel better when you take gentle, speedy Sal Hepatica. Company.